This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel, my favorite chalk company by far. Here's the deal. Chalk matters, and you owe it to yourself to get the good stuff. Luckily, with Chalk Cartel, you can get the best chalk on the market without breaking the bank. Chalk Cartel sources the highest quality magnesium carbonate you can buy. No fillers, no impurities, and no bogus proprietary claims. This stuff has been independently tested in the lab side-by-side other top brands of chalk, and it's exactly the same stuff or better. They also use eco-friendly packaging because they care about the environment, so you can't go wrong. If you need a fix, head over to chalkcartel.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase of pure, uncut, high-performance climbing chalk. That's chalkcartel.com and use code NUGGET for 20% off excellent climbing chalk. Chalk Cartel. Great chalk, no bullshit. This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This might be the best tool in the app store when it comes to training for rock climbing. Here's the deal. The Crimped app gives you access to 75 different workouts created by world-class climbers and coaches, Tom Randall and Ollie Tor of Lattice Training, for free. So you can download the app right now and see if you like it. And if you want even more training power, consider signing up for Crimped Plus. Crimped Plus unlocks three main things. Instead of the 75 workouts you get with a free version, you will have access to over 200 workouts and progressions. Secondly, with Crimped Plus, you can create your own custom training plans right there in the app. And finally, you'll unlock a collection of skill templates designed to bootstrap your training and focus on specific areas of improvement. Want to improve your finger strength or get more flexible or conquer the one-arm pull-up? Well, guess what? There's a skill template for each of those things and many more that will guide you through the process. So check out Crimped. Go to crimped.com or download the Crimped app for free from the App Store and consider signing up for Crimped Plus. Crimped, training on your own has never been easier. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. My guest today is Josh Champion. Isn't that one hell of a name? Josh Champion? That's his real name. Josh is an old friend of mine, and I loved this conversation. I haven't seen this guy in years. Last time I saw him was down in Bishop many years ago. And it turns out that since then, he quit climbing for several years. And we had a really cool, very real conversation in this episode about burnout, about him discovering that he had a really unhealthy relationship with climbing. He took three years away from climbing completely and learned a lot about himself and has come back to climbing and is in the process of trying to build a healthier relationship with the sport. So... This is a unique episode, but I thought it was really important to share because I do know that a lot of people struggle with burnout and with motivation and with their relationship with climbing, with comparison with other people. We're all very driven. We all love the sport and there are a lot of very easy pitfalls to fall into. So that's what we talked about in today's episode and I loved it. Please enjoy this very real conversation with Josh Champion. Um, I actually am an intermittent faster, so I did not have breakfast. <laughs> Let's see, what time is it? It is 
Two forty. Yeah. Have you eaten yet? Yeah, I had a salad. You had a salad for lunch? Yeah, I eat like a giant. My wife wouldn't even call it a salad, but I have a <laughs> basically it's a bowl of like some lettuce and then like cheese croutons, uh, sliced up like turkey or or something uh, or ham, and then like cranberries and nuts and stuff and and just like a gallon of Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> it's not really a salad, but there's lettuce and tomato and broccoli and carrots in there, so I feel good about it. <laughs> do you have a huge dinner? Where do you get all your calories? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I basically just eat lunch and and dinner, and then I have uh, I have a very bad sweet tooth, so I eat a dessert after each meal too. So that's where <laughs> I end up with my calories. I like it. And you feel good doing that. How long have you been doing that? Um, so I did this, uh, so just take a step back. I, uh, when I first, and we can kind of talk more about this later, but when I first started kind of focusing on my diet a little bit more, um, back when I was just before I moved to Colorado, I kind of came up with this routine and it worked pretty well for me. And then when I stopped climbing for a while, I ended up um, putting on about 25 or 30 pounds. And so getting back into climbing this time, I decided I just kind of went back to that because I knew I wanted to get back in shape. So I had already known that it worked well for me. So I've been doing it now for about um, five months now, which is about when I started climbing again. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't mess with your training or recovery or anything like that? No, sometimes, I mean, your body adjusts to it pretty quickly. I noticed that so when I stopped climbing, um, and I kind of just didn't really care about what I ate or if I was gaining weight or anything at all, um, I would eat breakfast a lot and I would, or I mean, I would eat breakfast every day and I would get really hungry at like seven or eight every morning. Mm. Um, and as soon as I cut that out, uh, I no longer get hungry in the morning. So I think my body just kind of adjusts. Um, so occasionally I'll get like, I'll wake up and have hunger pangs a little bit, but, um, and just drink some, some water tea or soda or something like that okay better, so. yeah are you a coffee person i'm not a coffee person i i'm a diet soda person okay so i feel like there's some judgment towards that but uh whatever <laughs> not for me it. man i yeah. think yeah do, I, do I feel like the coffee drinkers think that they're uh they're superior to the uh diet soda drinkers but you know, <laughs> really i just i just want like if i were to, if i were to intermittent fast and not eat breakfast which i've i've done a fair bit of i i've gone back to eating kind of more like square meals throughout the day personally. Um, but when I was doing that, like coffee was the thing that carried me through oh, yeah. till yeah. noon. And I just can't imagine like, like cracking a diet soda first thing in the morning just doesn't sound as appealing. It um, feels a little weird. And, uh, and is that what you do? You st- you st- oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just walk downstairs <laughs> and get a diet Coke right away. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, actually what usually happens is I wake up and go to work and just fill up my thermos or my canteen there with, um, like whatever they have from the fountain. Okay. And uh, take that into work with me and drink it while I'm like uh, working in the morning. Yeah, right on. So, yeah. There's something, I mean, especially like being in Portland though, like with the rain and the winter and the fall, you know, the coziness. I don't of, know, like, coffee would make way the, more the sense. Steamy, like the, the steamy mug thing. That's totally fair. But yeah, I, I, it's easy to romanticize. Yeah. I think that's what is so appealing for about sure, it for, for me. Sure. Let's circle back later to diet. I yeah. think it'd be great to, yeah, we, you just kind of teased me with it before we started recording here be curious to hear about your philosophy but yeah first things first it is great to see you man you too yeah it's been a while yeah uh, I, th- I know i ran into you a couple times in smith and then prior to that i think it hadn't been until bishop that i'd seen you yeah yeah it's like i, just, I definitely saw you and well actually was bishop the most recent time yeah it must have been I, to... I left from there and went to colorado so i don't think i'd seen you since then yeah that's what yeah. i was thinking I, I remember at one point you were telling me about um like a project you were trying at the rat cave. Yeah. But I was like Pretty trying chill. to think of when yeah. that was, but I, I was like, maybe it was Bishop and it's 
hilarious. So to paint the picture for people, 2017, February, I went on this trip to Bishop. I've talked about it so much on the podcast that it became a rock talk meme, which is amazing. I saw that. You were there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I saw that. And I think yeah. that was the last time I saw you. Um, yeah. So it's it's really fun to now be able to just openly talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you did the mandala on that Yeah, trip. I did. Uh, I did I did mystery. Well, actually, so first I tried, I think, Maze of Death. I got shut down on that. But then I went and did mystery. And then I uh, came home to Portland, kind of hung around for a little while, and then got psyched up again, drove back, and went and did uh, mandala. Um, and that was right around when oh, you were there. Right. And, and yeah. you were you had done all of those other things. And I was like, so jealous that you'd had so much success. And then I finally, like, I, I mean, mystery was great and I, I enjoyed it, but mandala was really what I wanted. And so when I yeah. got that, I felt really good about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the week of my life, the trip of my life and I, and you texted me afterwards yeah. and you were like, I like, I was imagining you driving home yeah. and how <laughs> psyched you must be. And I had to have that feeling. Yeah. And, and we were on uh, such different programs because I had like, you know, my, my three objectives and ended up kind of having a volume trip. Yeah. Um, and you were all in just like hunkered down on the mandala. Well, you, I mean, you, you say volume, but you did like, I mean, you did center direct, you did uh stained glass, you did, uh, I forget what else you did, but there were a couple other like double digit ticks that you had done, right? Yeah. I'd never done acid wash okay. and then stand and kill order. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, I yeah. mean, those are not, like, yeah, that's volume, but those are also like. No, totally. No, climbs, I mean, so. they were the hardest things I'd done at the time. Yeah, I climbed so. like two V10s before that trip yeah, and was just yeah. like. I've like I've arrived. I've done exactly. it. I've leveled up. Yep. Like this is yep. amazing. And yep. then feels good when that happens. Been, yeah, it does. I've been chasing it ever since. I'm like, how do I get that feeling again? Yeah. With that, that said, that was it's, like it's a fleeting for sure. So you got to be careful. A, a about uniquely that, special but. trip. I like appreciate it so much more now. But yeah. um, I remember driving home thinking like I was just a different climber than I was before the trip. But yeah. it turns out I had a finger injury and then like recovered from that. But then like a year later, got or six months later probably was when I kind of started. Um, slipping down the rabbit hole of like eating disorder stuff and kind of... Oh, so you, I thought you had already like, I mean, obviously the disorder, whatever term you want to put on it, but I thought you would, I thought that was when you had already like dropped those 10 pounds or whatever when you came. Was that not the case? No, no, oh, I okay. got way smaller after that. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. So yeah. I thought, cause I, in my mind, I had was like, okay, well maybe that like is why he kind of turned mm. that corner or something. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, and I don't want to attribute like certain things to like weight loss or not, but like, I didn't know if, oh, you'd lost this weight, showed up, felt strong, climbed well. Right. And then uh, maybe gone home and wanted more and then taken it too far or something, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, something like that. I mean, I think before, I think for that trip, I probably weighed 150, 155 and kind of always had, or I shouldn't say always, but as long as I'd been living in Bend and climbing at Smith, I'd kind of hovered around that. Mm -hmm. Um but then took it way further, got down to like below 140, like yeah, 139 yeah, or something. And episode, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, I think I realized like, you know, the silver lining for me was like, okay, even at the weight that I was at for that Bishop trip and before that, I was, I was like still suppressing my body's natural yeah. weight. And it worked really well for like cramps and for the style in Bishop, but I just really struggled with like all my other training and just struggled to like get stronger. Yeah, I think, fair. yeah, I don't know. That trip was kind of like a perfect, um, the culmination of like a few really perfect months of training and yeah. everything just kind of happened to align, I think, for that yeah. week. Yeah, I but, mean, I think those trips are like kind of once in a, every couple of years at best. Yeah. Like you look for those for ages. Like, that. I mean, that was probably the best trip that I've had. Um, it sounds like the best trip that you've had. So, um, 
I haven't been able to recreate it necessarily since, mm. but I've had success, but not, I guess, in the degree of like taking off multiple kind of big projects in the same short time interval. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, well, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk Well, about yeah. It? So I was, um, I wanted to start there because you've always seen, you've always been so strong to me, you know, and I, I remember like being so, even though I had a great trip, I was like so impressed that you were trying mandala on a trip, you know, like I would never, at the time, I wouldn't have imagined trying something that hard without like living there for a yeah. season or something. Um, and then I, you know, we fell out of touch. I haven't seen you in many years. And I was so surprised to chat with you a few months ago. We were just like, you know, sending DMs back and forth or something on Instagram. And I was so surprised to hear that you had stepped away from climbing. You know, I, I remember like kind of following you maybe just on Instagram. And I think I saw that you would climb B13 and just assumed you were still crushing, just killing it. Everything was the same, but no, yeah. it sounds like you quit climbing for several years and yeah. had just recently come back to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to ask, take me back to that time in 2017. What, what happened next? What happened after that trip? So, uh, so climbing was like essentially my number one priority in my life for a long time. I mean, obviously like you have your professional pursuits and I was going through med school at that time. And so those were important to me as well. And I had my girlfriend and now wife as was also in my life at that point. So she was important, but like, even when her and I met, I told her like, Hey, climbing is going to come first. Um, and that was still kind of how I felt. Maybe it was shifting a little by that point, but for the most part, I still felt like this was the thing that I wanted to do, um, with my life. Like if it's kind of where I got my fulfillment, it's where I got, got my sense of purpose. Um, it's how I stayed healthy. It's how I stayed engaged. It's all, pretty much all of my friends were, um, climbers. I had some, cl some friends from school obviously, but, um, for the most part, the people I like really connected with were all climbers. So, um, so with that in mind, I thought like to take it to the next level, I wanted to go out to Colorado because I just felt like that was an environment where all the serious climbers were. And if you wanted to be serious about it, you had to be there. And, and, and you'd been in Portland. I'd been in that? Portland. So I'd, I'd grown up in Sacramento and climbed there for the most part and then come up to Portland for med school. So I've been in Portland for the last like four years at that point. So, um, great gyms, but not great rock climbing. Yeah. Access. There's some good sport crags around here that have like up to 14 a and stuff, but bouldering your closest thing is five hours away. I mean, there's like little um, token local crags, um, like Carver and things like that. They have some like V10 and 11s, but otherwise, uh, anything quality and good is Leavenworth, which is five hours away. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I had kind of romanticized this idea in my head of like, of like, oh, I get off work at a reasonable hour. And rather than going to the gym, I go out to like the proj or something like that. You know, it's 30 minutes away. I could go to the Clear Creek Canyon and I, I get on the project instead of, instead of the gym. And to me, that just sounded so much cooler than, um, than these like intermittent once every couple of weeks, weekend trips that I do to Leavenworth. It just felt like I would, I was, it was going to set me up so much better for success. Cause I, I, I wasn't necessarily someone that climbed things fast. I was someone who, but I was willing to dedicate myself to, um, to the same climb for, for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Um, and so I felt like if I could put myself in a situation where that was possible, uh, like to just drive out on a random Tuesday and try it, um, then I could have some more success. And to me, that was, that was really important. If you could just put the time in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I knew that I wanted to go to Colorado. And so I basically, when we came time to apply for residencies uh, after med school, which is 
where you do like your specialty training. So I did anesthesia and I had to pick um, where I wanted to go for that. And the place that I wanted to go was Colorado. So interviewed there, got ex- kind of accepted or matched or there's, it's a weird process, but basically the point is I got the job there, um, moved out to Colorado. Uh, so the time that I had seen you was when I was kind of in that transition between med school and residency. So I more or less had like three or four months off. And so you say doing it on a trip, but more or less I had, it was kind of living there for a season because I was okay. able to come and go as I pleased for several months at a time. So, um, I guess I never knew how long you were there actually. Yeah. I yeah, just it, knew you were coming up against the end of your time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really close. <laughs> it was kind of like, a, uh, it, so that was right before I started residency and residency is this notorious time crunch, um, where you're working 80 hours a week for essentially until you're done, which is for me, the training was four years for other specialties. It's anywhere from three to, to eight years. Um, but more or less you kind of sacrifice yourself to that task during those years. And so I knew that if I wanted to do hard climbing or this was my thought, I w- if I wanted to do something hard, I should try and get it done before residency. Cause I didn't know what residency was going to look like as far as being able to continue to try hard. And so that was that transition between med school and residency where I had finished med school, had a couple months off, um, and then was getting ready to go to residency. So did that, felt really good about it, was super psyched to go out to Colorado, um, got out to Colorado. Uh, and then basically I climbed for, um, climbed well there for a couple of years. And then to cut a long story short, yeah, I kind of burned out, um, at about the two and a half year mark and then took the remainder of the time off and didn't climb for basically the last year and a half that I was in Colorado. Uh, and then for, we moved back to Portland. I didn't climb for another year and a half out here and now I'm just getting back into it. So, okay. Did it have any like time, um, relation to the pandemic? It sounds like it was so, around 2020 that you So interestingly, yes. Uh, but not for the reasons that might be immediately like you might think. Um, so basically, uh, around the time of the pandemic, pan- pandemic healthcare in general kind of went crazy and, and like people didn't know what to do. Some people were working crazy amounts like the, in the ICU and the ER, other people weren't working at all. So like if you're a clinic based specialty where you just see healthy outpatients all the time, they just canceled all those. So you didn't work. Um, I was in the OR all the time and, and in the OR, we basically cut down anything that wasn't an emergency case or like a mm. critical time, very, very time sensitive case. So what that meant is like 90% of our surgical volume was out the door. Um, and so as a result, I had a lot of extra time off. Um, so, um, they, I basically took that time and just went climbing all the time. And so I, that was when I went out to Clear Creek basically every single day for, um, for like three months straight. Um, ended up doing three different V13s out there. Um, started projecting uh, Echelet, which is a V14. And then for one, one uh, like one random day, just for whatever reason, I, I walked down from Echelet and I just decided I, I didn't want to climb anymore. <laughs> and I can, I can go a lot more into that, but that was kind of the, the time frame of like when it happened. And mm. I just put my stuff away and didn't climb again until about four months ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's dive right into it, man. I mean, it was what I remember reading from our messages was more or less you had built up V13 in your mind as like this huge end all be all thing Mm -hmm. and you did it and it just didn't give you any of the feelings that you hoped or expected. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then you realize like, holy shit, I have a super unhealthy relationship with this sport. Like this is yeah. not good. I need to quit. Um, and it sounds like now you're, you're coming back to it with that kind of, um, that awareness and also that kind of, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and trying to have a better relationship with it. But yeah, I guess I have a bunch of questions about that. So yeah. first off, and I, I feel like I relate to this, so I wonder if you, we have similar uh, thoughts around it, but why V13? Why was that like the number? Was that the number in your head that just felt like if I could do that, life would be awesome, everything would be good? I mean, every number is that number in your head when you haven't done it, right? Like, so when you're just <laughs> yeah. starting out, you're like, oh my gosh, if I could just be a V7 climber, like that would be so cool. And then you do it and obviously it doesn't matter anymore. And then V10, I think holds a lot of significance in people's minds. Um, I did, I remember doing acid wash and kind of getting, getting to the top of acid wash and being like, was that it? Like, is that, is that V10? And then, so you set your sights on 11 and then can remember my first 11, I was up in Tahoe. It was like three in the morning and there was a, a bear wandering around the, the crag and it was, it was this climb called Love Handles. And I remember I got up there, I drove up from, from Sacramento, parked my car. It was like 11 PM. I saw a bear walk right next to me. And then I had to psych myself up to actually get up and like, go do the climb. <laughs> and then I did it. It was like one or two in the morning. And I remember getting to the top of that and being like, was that it? And then for V12, I did this one called Boys in the Hood, which is now on private ground in Tahoe. But I remember getting to the top of that and being like, was that it? So it's mm. kind of this recurring theme. V13 in my mind was in that same vein, but for whatever reason had a little bit extra, I guess, because when I first started climbing, like V13s, most of the climbs you saw in like dosage one through five or whatever those those old climbing movies are were um, like of the V13 level. There were some 14s and 15s, but for the most part, it was like V13 was kind of the the... The ceiling. The seal. Not, not necessarily the ceiling, but like that was the normal hard climb there. Mm. Like they made a point of like, oh, look at this 14 or 15. Like we're going to do a whole cut on the 14 or 15. So like these are notable. The 13s, like these people are strong and look at them just climb V13 like it's nothing, but it's still like a really big deal. Like, yeah, yeah. So it seems like, like a bona fide, like legit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seemed like a number that was uh, noteworthy from that standpoint. So, I, I, and nowadays people probably don't even care like V13, whatever, but like, Oh, um, it, but it all depends on your perception and where you started, yeah, when, when sure. you started, who was around, like, exactly. I, cause I feel the exact same way. Like for whatever reason, even though, you know, I just watched like half the people in Rockland's just crap on V13s every yeah. time they went climbing, it still feels, it still has that same weightiness and significance. Like that's the legit number because, same thing. I watched all those films too. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah. that was and my perception. Yeah. While it's becoming more common today, like, I, I mean, people are training better and younger and doing it more often. I still think that it's like, it's noteworthy. It's not, oh, it a, hasn't gotten easier. Yeah. yeah it's, totally. not, it's not that it's any easier. Like, it still takes a lot of work to get to any of these levels. Like, yeah. Yeah. V13, 514, whatever you want. Like, yeah, a lot of people can do it, but it's still noteworthy. But, um, so in my mind, it held, uh, I guess maybe a, somewhat special significance. I guess the the biggest significance might have also come from the fact that I had climbed V12 while I was still in uh, college and then hadn't climbed anything hard through all of med school. And so I'd been up against this kind of plateau or this wall or ceiling for 
going on six years now. And so mm. that was the longest that I'd gone without like a progression. So mm. from that stance, maybe it had a little extra um, right. uh, significance for me. Maybe there's some some voice in the back of your head always wondering like, was that it? Have I peaked? You know, am yeah. I going to be able to climb harder than exactly. that? Yeah, yeah, there's like more buildup. Yep, yep, something like that, yeah. How do you think you, what am I trying to ask here? I mean, you could, I, I wrote this question down for V13, but it sounds like it might be relevant for any of those other, you know, benchmark grades that you reached. Mm -hmm. What did you think you would feel like? What, 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 how did you think that would feel, you know, when you climbed your first V10 or 11 or 12? Yeah. And that's, I think that's the kind of the crux of the, the whole, um, whole dilemma is, is what do you expect when you do one of these things? Like, do you, and, and people have talked about this a lot. And I think that it's a very common experience of like, you expect this kind of overwhelming satisfaction and overwhelming joy and just like to be on cloud nine forever, which that was a big part of it. And I, I do remember feeling pretty good after doing it for, for a little while, but, uh, but the part that really was, um, different. I don't know if this was different for me, but it was the part that I think the unhealthy habit stemmed from was I expected it to mean something to other people too. Like mm. I expected that V13 would impress people. And I don't know what I really, really mean by that, but kind of like, I mean, nowadays in the day, in the era of Instagram, like you, people post everything that they do on Instagram. And so it's like, oh, I'll, I'll put this climb on Instagram and immediately people will uh, like, think that I'm so strong and they'll be so impressed and I'll be so cool. And, and like, obviously that doesn't happen. Um, and I don't know that I really expected it to happen, but there's kind of some small part in, in the back of your mind that says like, like when I see a V13 on Instagram, that's really impressive. And I'm, I'm like, that's really cool. So if I do it, people will feel the same way about me. And that was, and, and this has been kind of a recurring theme for me back through climbing as well as through other aspects of my life of, chasing things that I think other people will find impressive as opposed to what I necessarily am like interested in or mm. what I find impressive. Um, and so I kind of hit that wall and yeah, people thought it was impressive and it was cool, but like, it doesn't matter how many people flock to you or, or give you praise or whatever after you do something like that. It's never going to live up to what you had hoped. I mean, unless, unless 510 is banging at your door offering you a sponsorship after you've done this, like it's just not going <laughs> to it's not going to matter. Um, like right. people are going to move on to the next thing immediately and, and, and then you're left with nothing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing that I'm thinking hearing you say all that is like, I mean, it can be gratifying to work really hard for something and then like have, you know, and, and then achieve the thing. Like that can be a, yeah. a really gratifying, satisfying feeling in life, but it never, you know, I don't know, like we're, we're kind of talking about delayed gratification and I think that is a great thing, but at the same time, you know, I kind of had like my own personal breaking point trying Badman at Smith Rock where mm -hmm. it got to a point where it was like, even if I send this, I'm so unhappy with the way that I'm approaching this, that it's not going to make up for all of that, yeah. you know? And, and that was kind of my light bulb moment where I realized like I have to figure out how to enjoy the process or yeah. just stop doing this um, yeah. because I've sent enough things at this point that like, I know that it feels good for a second, but it never lasts very long. Yeah. And I've been, you know, really beating myself up and I've been miserable for, I don't even know if I was miserable, but I was, I was unhealthy and I was 
pushing away a lot of other good things in life and not looking for fulfillment and joy in, in other aspects of life, pushing away relationships because of the eating thing. It was like all connected, right? But um, isolating myself and cutting myself up, off from all the things that make me happy for this end goal, you know, but it's, it's just never going to replace or make up for all those things. That you're, yeah. You're and I guess up. to turn it back around on, on you. So I guess why was sending bad man important? Like, was it, were you pursuing the joy of the send? Were you pursuing the significance of it? Were you, was there some other motivation? Like, what is it that really pushes us to beat our heads against a wall for for weeks or months on end trying to do these projects that are maybe just a little bit too hard for us. I mean, there's so much there. There's so many things that I think play into it. Like, of course, I had built up 514. That mm -hmm. felt like a huge, you know, life-changing or life-significant sort of achievement, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, something that's cool about climbing is that, like... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if competitors feel like, well, I won't, I won't compare it to com competition climbing because I'm not a competition climber, but something I appreciate about outdoor rock climbing and sends is that like, once you've done that thing, you kind of have that on your mantle, you know, like yeah. it doesn't go away. The fact that you've sent it and, and I think that's really cool. And I just like wanted that achievement, but at the same time, there's a lot more to it than that. Like I love projecting. I love climbing. I love, I love progress. I mm -hmm. love like, signing myself up for a challenge that's going to necessitate like, you know, inner work and like discovery and growth and yeah. and things like that. I, I really enjoy that. It kind of gives me purpose. And Badman was just the next one. You know, yeah. I'd kind of worked through everything else that I could feasibly do at Smith. I'd climbed, ev I'd climbed literally every route in the goalie up to 14A. And it was the one that seemed like it suited me the best. And it just didn't yield the way that the other ones had, you know, yeah. like, Instead of doing it on my 30th try, I got to my 40th try and my 50th try. And I was like, fuck, I don't know if I'll ever do this thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just, my body kind of, because I was like starving myself and, and like burning the candle at both ends for so long, I just kind of like crashed before I sent, you mm -hmm. know, and then had to like rebuild and, um, and that all led to where I am now. But yeah, like why, I mean... There, like, but there's there's a lot of other there's there's so many things that kind of feed into it yeah yeah well you said it would be cool and it's something on your mantle but like I guess my question would be if you ne if you did it and then never told another soul would you still feel the same about it mm, probably not no I I think I would still want to do it I think it would still be important to me for its own sake but mm -hmm. but there would be an element of it that would um, yeah, it would feel less significant, I think. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's obviously le levels of sharing. Like they're sharing with your your belay partner. Obviously, they're going to know you did it and sharing with your close friends or your family. And then they're sharing on Instagram or sharing on YouTube or something like that. And it's like those are all kind of levels of like whose approval are we trying to seek? Like it, are we doing this just for ourselves? Are we doing this for someone else? Uh, and like obviously it's okay. To, it's good to share with your close friends and family. But when you start looking for uh, validation from people that you've never even met on the internet, like I think that that's kind of where uh, where the unhealthy um, part of it starts to sneak in, and that that was what I felt is mm. is uh, 
as like just some examples, like I can, when I think back to when I did Mandala, like that was a really significant climb for me. But when I picture doing it now, I picture the video of me doing it. I don't actually picture like me, the, what the, what I was doing or the, what I felt or what I was holds that I was holding. I see the video of me doing it. And mm. I think that like, I don't know if that's significant, but in my mind, it feels significant of like, it, it's like that whole experience has been replaced by a video on the internet. And so it's kind of just boiled down to uh, like like this 30 second Instagram clip is is encapsulates like all of the joy and, and emotion that went into that climb. And to me, that's those two can never compare, but but it kind of happens as a natural process when you when you put these things out there and, and you put weight on it. And it's like I, I would get to the top of the climb and the first thing I would do when I get down is I would check and make sure the camera had been recording and that we had a good mm. video of the send. And like, that's not, that's not healthy. And and how come there are these people out there who can go out into the forest and climb no named, never before climbed problems and you never hear a peep from them. And then there are other people who record every single climb that they ever do and put it on the internet. Like, like Andy Liu, like no, no shade to Andy Liu or anything, but he climb he records every single climb he does and puts it on the internet. And like, he clearly must be getting some degree of happiness or validation from this whole process because that's a lot of work. Like it's not just a, a gimme that that happens. Like he has to put in time setting up the camera or carrying the camera around, setting it up, editing all the videos, putting them on YouTube. Like that's, that's a lot of work. And so he's clearly getting some degree of satisfaction or validation from that process. And I felt like I was trying to seek some sort of validation, like that similar type of validation. And I, it's not that I wasn't getting it. It's that like, well, I guess I, I definitely wasn't getting it, but it's not even that I expected to get it or that it would have made any difference. I think that it was just that, that why am I putting in all this time and energy and effort to do this sport that I used to love and all that seems to matter is what comes from other people afterwards. Mm. And, and that was kind of the eye-opening experience of like why why I just didn't feel it anymore. That day that you were hiking down from that V14 project, you decided like, I'm just done. Um, like, did you get hit with something? Was there a realization or had it been in the back of your mind and kind of building for a long time? So it had been building for a little bit in the sense of, I, I did these these three 13s kind of back to back, like over the span of maybe a month or two um, and felt good, but again, didn't quite have the reception or the, and, and I don't want to focus too much on the extrinsic like validation or ex reception. I also didn't feel what I wanted to feel like in internally. Like you, you kind of, early on when you climb, you send something and you feel fantastic. It feels amazing. You ride nine cloud nine for forever. And then as time goes on, that feeling I think becomes more and more fleeting. And I had gotten to the point where that feeling was pretty darn fleeting. And so that coupled with not getting the, any sort of extrinsic validation or external validation. And then, so that had been building for a while. And then actually, interestingly, what happened at Echelet is I ran into someone there who I climbed with at the gym that I knew I was significantly stronger than like I knew, and, and this is all unhealthy and I, I don't like that this was my mindset, but I knew I was stronger than this guy. And he got there and he had essentially the same progress, if not slightly better than me on the climb. And I don't know why, but that just threw me for a loop. And I was like, how come this guy is like, I'm stronger than him and he's like doing better than me on this climb. And I'm out here like kind of 
trying hard and, and out here every day and I'm, I'm away from my family and I'm away from like the other things that I want to do. And I've put in all this work and I've kind of, I don't know if I felt entitled or, or something, but it, it was just like, it was like, okay, those, those V13s I did suddenly don't mean anything because this like V8 climber from the gym is doing better than me on this climb. And it's, <laughs> it's not healthy, but I, I got home and I was just like, man, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why, mm. like, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of this? Like, this is, this feels wrong. And, and so I don't know, it, it's kind of weird to look back on, but I just remember walking away feeling really unhappy with, with like both myself and my climbing and just figuring, realizing that like I had dedicated my life to this sport more or less for 20 years or something. And, and, uh, and this was where I was, or this was what it was paying, giving back to me. Like mm. that doesn't seem healthy. And mm -hmm. so that was when I hung up the shoes. Yeah. What did that feel like? I mean, immediately you, you, you've been going out there every day, you know, for three months straight. Um, what did you fill the gap with? Did you feel the gap? Like, did that, did it feel like totally disorienting? Yeah. So, I mean, at first I didn't really admit, it wasn't like I got home and said, okay, I'm not going to climb again ever again. Um, but, uh, what happened was I, I basically just felt really unhappy. And the next time I was supposed to go out, I just kind of flaked on it. And then some friends invited me out and I just, I made excuses as to why I didn't want to go. And over time, I just noticed I wasn't going anymore and it was still the pandemic. So the gym was closed. So if I wasn't going outside, I wasn't, wasn't climbing at all. Hmm. Um, and that kind of just grew and grew and grew in terms of time. And then, uh, we can talk about this later, but I'd also been really, um, uh, focused on my eating at that point, trying to like optimize my, my diet. And that was a lot of energy. And so I, that was part of it was being like, I just don't want to put in the energy focusing on my diet anymore. So I'm just going to eat whatever I want to eat now. And so I kind of un like released that floodgate and then, um, and I started just kind of focusing on other things and, and I just kind of filled the time with other stuff. And I, I don't know, it wasn't with, until with several months other later. Hobbies with work, with people, yeah, with so, friends, with. So I heard you back, uh, in one of your early episodes talk about how you don't need, you, if you had to choose between continuing climbing and doing this podcast, you'd probably want to keep with the podcast. Mm. I, so what I did is I actually started, um, a website called beta cash, which people might know, but it's, um, just basically a climbing website and it was found a, out an hour ago that that was you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so the goal was <laughs> that I had kind of played with the idea for a while. And so I started it a little bit before then. But it was a way for me to feel like I was still involved in the climbing community without actually climbing. And so it gave me a way to kind of ease that transition by having this like uh, this service or this 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 presence in the climbing community that wasn't necessarily requiring me to like go out and actually climb. It just required me to to put in the work and sit in, sit in the comfort of my own home and write some code on a computer. So, mm. so that was what I, I filled my time with that and then filled my time with obviously with other things like a lot of video games and things like that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, that was a good way for me to ease out of it. And then, and then just time kind of dragged on and I wasn't climbing and I, I was putting on a little weight and I just kind of, you know, was trying to decide for myself what, what I wanted climbing to look like long-term for me. And eventually just decided to pull the trigger and just be done with it completely. Um, hmm. So, Did you think that you had quit forever? Uh, at the time, yeah. I, I thought I had quit forever. I thought that my wife wasn't convinced that I had quit forever, but I, I thought that that because I had done this at such a high level and such a 
with such a dedication previously that I wasn't going to be able to have a healthy relationship with it in the future without being at that level. I, I felt like if I were to show up at the gym and only climb V7, I would just feel um, kind of let down or underwhelmed or, or feel like I was not getting, not enjoying it. And so in my mind, if I wasn't going to be able to be at that top level again, then I wasn't going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So, so at the time I did think I was, I had quit forever. Yeah. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by AG1. AG1 has become one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. I love to wake up, throw on a podcast, and add a scoop of AG1 to about 8 to 12 ounces of cold water, shake it up, and sip on that while I make my coffee and my breakfast. It's super refreshing and it tastes really good. I look forward to it every morning almost as much as my first cup of coffee, which for me is saying a lot. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity throughout the day. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I like to eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, but it can be really hard to get fresh fruits and veggies, not to mention organic, when you travel to some of these remote climbing areas. I love knowing that every time I drink my AG1 in the morning, my day is covered. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com nugget. That's drinkag1.com nugget. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that it's not just about climbing. It's also about getting to know people and learning from them. And it's about getting to know ourselves because until we do that, it's really hard to know how to get where we wanna go in life or romantic relationships or climbing or anything. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I go to therapy twice a month and it's awesome. It's just nice to talk to somebody whose job it is to really listen no matter what you're dealing with. If you're having a hard time or just want a professional to help you become the best version of yourself, then therapy is going to be awesome for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. That's what I use. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge and without any awkwardness. It's super easy. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com nugget today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash nugget. And now back to the show. Did you try to fill your time or, or find another outlet for your physical energy? Because I mean, it's not just like you were really into, you know, pick up softball games and then stop playing softball and decide to just sit on the couch and watch football instead, you know, like that kind of makes sense. But you were like, you're like an athlete, you're like training yeah. for this sport and yeah. giving all your time and energy to it. Did you look for replacements uh, for that? I mean, I considered other things. There wasn't any, because uh, I've, I've looked at things, several things in the past, but there's nothing really that stands out to me um, as far as like 
physical activities that really strike my interest. I mean, what ended up happening is I just went to the gym and did like a normal standard workout. Um, like, like the weight gym. The weight gym, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just went and did like, I literally, I remember going there and signing up and the person was like, oh, do you want some help like figuring out workout? And then I had, I had worked out plenty in the past so I didn't need any guidance, but they asked, they asked like, oh, what are you, what are you after? And I said, oh, you know, just a healthy all body workout. Like I'm not, I'm not after anything specific. I'm not trying to, to, uh, push my mat, like one rep max. I'm not trying to, to do, uh, like, um, any competitions or anything like that. I'm just going to go and be healthy and do like normal, healthy person workout. <laughs> um, and part of that was because I wanted to, uh, be able to eat like crap. I, I, I love fast food. I don't care. It's, it's terrible for me, but I love it. And so in my mind, I needed to do something to balance those calories out. And so I was like, well, I'll go to the gym. I'll do like a really, uh, like a, a full body workout. Uh, and then that'll justify me being able to eat kind of whatever I want at that point. So, um, ultimately that didn't balance out and I, I put it on like third, 25 or 30 pounds, but still that was the the idea in the back of my mind. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I, I feel really grateful for climbing and I, I kind of relate to you. Like if I didn't have climbing for some reason, let's say I like, you know, knock on wood, um, had like a unrecoverable hand injury or something like that, that really like ended climbing for me. I just don't know if I'd be able to stay as healthy. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it, it would be really hard. Like I was kind of into weightlifting in high school and like, I enjoy training, but I really can only stick with it because of climbing goals, I think, and having that kind of motivation. Maybe I'd get really into kettlebell training or something like that, but it's yeah. it, nothing else is as fun to yeah, me. You know? I agree. And, and I was in the same boat and I felt like, honestly, that was that mindset of climbing meaning so much to you as far as like your personality and your, 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 for you, your livelihood and, and like, uh, your health and things like that, that puts a little extra pressure on climbing. And I think that that it wasn't a large part, but definitely that idea of what would I do without this made me afraid to even consider not doing it. And I think that that added to the, the stress and the pressure that I was feeling. Uh, and like, I just do it for fun. I don't, nobody's paying me to do it. Nobody cares if I do it. Like, I can't even imagine being in the shoes of one of these professional climbers who has to go in day in, day out, climb, um, to like make a paycheck. And, um, it's just, it, it when you put so much importance on climbing is, and it can't, deliver that like it, it's always going to let you down i mean maybe not but for me it was it was never delivering what i wanted it to deliver um it ends up kind of just making that unhealthy and and what i found actually afterwards after i stopped climbing for a while was that that wasn't necessarily true like i didn't care if i was in perfect shape i didn't care if i was better than other people at at some random activity that makes no difference in the world like uh, like, I, I don't know. I used to always feel this sense of kind of superiority walking around like, oh, I'm a, like, look at all these hikers that are just hiking to see this. Well, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go climb the rocks and, and like to you, to me, that gave me some sort of validation or some sort of like sense of purpose. And, and then I realized afterwards, like, that doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't actually care about that. Like no one, and, and I don't, when I see climbers going out there, I don't necessarily care about them climbing and me not either. So I don't know. It's, it's just something to consider that if you put yourself in the situation where you're like, what would I do without climbing? It's maybe a, a trigger that you should kind of reevaluate that, that relationship or that, uh, that mindset and then kind of 
think about, is this really important to you? And, and what would you really do without it? Like, is it just like, oh no, that would be terrible. And I, I don't want to think about it sort of thing. And you just move on. Cause if so, that's maybe not, that's maybe not sustainable either. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't yeah. really know how to put that to better words, but that was kind of how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. I mean, hopefully people can hear that and like head that off, you know, like yeah. get ahead of that. And and if they notice that in themselves, like start to work on their, you know, mindset and, and relationship with climbing, the relationship with themselves, like that might be what it all comes down to, you know? Yeah. Um, I kind of had to go through a, a somewhat similar thing and just experience it, you know, like, um, failing i mean i could go back you know that's the great thing about climbing is do we ever actually like really fail on a route who knows but i could still go back to Badman and try to do it but i failed like you know for that chunk of time for that effort and i just realized that when my climbing wasn't going well i had like nothing else going for me that i was excited about and yeah. that really felt i felt ashamed about that yeah like that didn't sit well, you know, it's like, that's not okay. I've got to figure this out. And that kind of led me probably towards the podcast and what I do now. And I think, um, you know, going back to what you said, <laughs> what you said that I said, I remember saying that, like, if I had to ch choose between climbing and the podcast, I probably would choose the podcast. And it, yeah. it just feels like I found a thing that feels, um, that's just, it's so different, but it's, it's just as fun in its own way. I feel good at it. And it feels the thing that's missing from climbing that I have with the podcast. I was just talking to Joey Jansen about this. Um, it's the hedgehog, you know, that third piece is like, is this doing some good in the world? Is this like doing, serving other people in some way? And um, through sharing people's stories for whatever reason as humans, like we really connect with that and it can be really helpful. And like, that's enough, you know, like having those three things and being able to do that is, is really fulfilling. And I think, stumbling into this whole podcast project is kind of like I've been able to to bring like a healthier relationship with myself back into my climbing if that makes sense and all yeah. of a sudden it doesn't need to be the thing that's like making up for anything you know that's missing yeah um do you feel the same way like do, or have you been were you surprised I mean you you stepped away from climbing you have all this empty space in your life that gets filled up with other stuff what surprised you like did you start having realizations were you able to like build like a, a different relationship with yourself or find more i mean honestly what surprised me the most was that i didn't really miss climbing for a long time like i just mm. didn't care about it i would hear it. my friends would talk about it and they would um like i would still hang out with them and they would still kind of uh they would obviously chat about their trips and their climbs and stuff and i would just kind of tune out i didn't it wasn't that i was upset by it or that I was, um, like triggered by it in any way. I just didn't care. Like, I mean, I was happy for them that they were enjoying themselves and doing well, but it, it used to really matter to me. Like, Oh, did you send the V12 that you, while you were out there, did you send this climb that like you couldn't do? Like, for instance, I have, I have one buddy who we have a very, uh, antagonistic relationship. Like we it just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's great. And I love him, but it's very antagonistic. And he, there's this climb called progressive guy out in red rocks. I don't know if you've tried it or not, but it's this V 10 over in craft that involves like a finicky heel hook. Um, and I had tried it for a while and couldn't do it. And I didn't really honestly find it that important of a climb, but in his mind, it was a really important climb to me. And so he went out there on his own time, like months later and did it and recorded it. 
And then when we were at our wedding, he pulled up the video and played the video of him doing it at oh, our wedding. at your wedding. At my wedding. To like, wow. The whole goal was for him to spite me. I, like that climb didn't really matter to me, but the, the, <laughs> the point at the relationship, that's how the relationship was, is like, like he would get... Uh, he would lord those things over me and I would lord it over him. And we constantly would have this, this, this one like challenge. What's that? One upmanship. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. like, I still remember the first time that I beat him was, was Xavier's roof where he was, he was a, I always climb from the beginning type of guy. Like he would never try hard moves in isolation. And I don't know why, but like that wasn't, I mean, that seemed like a more common mindset back then. Nowadays, I think that it's less common for people to do that. Like, I think that people recognize try the moves in isolation. That makes way more sense. But for him, he, he was, no, I'm just going to go from the beginning. That way I only have to do the hard move once. Um, and I, I was the opposite. And so I just tried the mantle crux move over and over and over again. And I ended up doing it before him and doing the whole climb before him. And I just remember feeling so happy that I had done it before him. And I, I was like, see, I told you this is the better way. And I just like, just shoved it down his throat <laughs> relentlessly. And that was, that was great. Um, I don't even remember what we were talking about. What, Oh yeah. So, so the point was that same guy and my other friends would talk about climbing and normally I would be really in tune to what they were saying. Like, Oh, which climbs did you do? How hard did you climb? Like, is it better or worse than me type of thing? And mm. I just, it just didn't matter to me. I was, mm. I was happy for him, but I didn't, uh, it didn't have any bearing on me. And so, uh, free from, I was free from, from, the from the it. Yeah. And, and for better or for worse, I don't know that it's necessarily like this, this weight off my shoulders. It was just this thing that no longer had a presence in my life. Mm. Um, so that was the biggest thing. Um, yeah. What brought you back? Um, so I, finished residency and started a new job or started my finally, finally being done with training. Like you're, you're fully done. No more education, no more debt, no more, um, no more crazy work hours. And so you get out and you're, you have a full-time job or a full normal job. And so I had kind of transitioned into that. Um, and I guess going back, I've always been the type of person who is like looking at the next step and looking ahead and trying to figure out like what path am I on and where am I going next? And so, I had always kind of looked forward to that as being the end goal. And then I got there and I got established and I figured out kind of how to do that and what like got comfortable with it and it became no big deal anymore. Got settled in kind of all the other aspects of my life, bought a house, we had kids, they were getting older and getting like easier to, we were kind of figuring out that routine. Everything was kind of settling into place. Um, and then I, I just kind of felt like there was now this new kind of whole emerging in my life with, with like free time. Like occasionally I could fill it with like a small project, like either like around the house, like building, uh, doing some housework or, or building like, a. I built the shed and I redid our garage and some other things that, that could focus on for a little while. I did a bunch of, um, like computer projects and things like that. I would occasionally play video games that I would get really into for a, a time period and then kind of shelve once I was done. But I just noticed this recurring theme of like, okay, there's a hole. I got to find something new to fill it. I, this is great for a little while. I finish it. Okay, the hole is back. What do I do now? Um, and I was getting a little un, uneasy with that and and not, I, I was concerned how sustainable that pattern was. Um, and then I was incidentally talking to one of my friends and he was going to be in town and he asked if I wanted to come to the climbing gym and like hang out with him. And, uh, it just felt like kind of the right time and the right, I was in like the right emotional state and the right, um, life position to consider trying it again. And it, it felt like a good fit. And so, um, 
yeah, I honestly, it hadn't, I hadn't really been considering at all until, uh, until he asked me if I want to go climbing and then it was just like, oh yeah, that actually makes sense right now. I think that'll be mm. a good thing to do. How did it feel to climb that day? Uh, I mean, terrible as far as like the actual climbing itself, but otherwise it felt great. Like emotionally <laughs> it felt great. Um, mm. the skin and the the muscles felt awful, but, um, but it felt like a, a good, a good thing to be doing. And I felt, I felt happy, but cautious, like, and in, in terms of, I didn't want to put myself back on this path that I knew ultimately led somewhere that I wasn't happy. And so I knew going into it that I had to think about it differently and my relationship with climbing had to be different than it was in the past if I wanted to be able to do it long-term. Yeah, let's dig into that. So what does it look like to work on your relationship with climbing? You've been doing it again for four months now? Yeah, are and you, I'm honestly, I'm back. training? Do you have goals? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yes, all of the above. So I'd spent a long time and I'd had a lot of conversations with climbing friends about um what it what would climbing what would a healthy climbing relationship look like and and one of my friends eric jensen i don't know you you know him uh he has a, a really what i perceive as a really healthy relationship with climbing like he 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 climbs hard he trains he does all of the things but he doesn't get hung up on it he doesn't um he does it mostly for the the social aspect and the 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 like uh, he can go out to the mountains and spend all day with friends, but not actually climb and still enjoy himself. So those sorts of things. Whereas I found over time that I wasn't able to do those as much because for various different reasons, but I always felt a time crunch with being in residency that like, I need to get out, get on my project, get home ASAP because I only had a certain amount of free time and I didn't want to, I couldn't just lollygag and, um, and not accomplish something, I guess. And so I had spent a lot of time talking with him and others about like, what is a, these people who seem to be healthy in in climbing, like what does their relationship look like and how is that different from what I had? Um, and so I thought about that a lot and, and what I focused on or what I kind of settled on was that when I had done it the first go around, it slowly over time transition to this point where I, I climbing defined me and it was who I was and it was how I compared myself to, uh, compared myself to others. It was, uh, I wrote about it in my personal statement. I wrote about it in my residency application. I, I, I remember when I was younger, I was so fixated on, on getting like any sort of sponsorship because I felt like it would validate my climbing to like, to like the average person, if, if they didn't know anything about climbing, they could at least understand like, oh, you are a sponsored athlete. Like mm. that is okay. You're not just uh, Joe Schmo who climbs like once every other week at the gym. It's like the status uh, game. Exactly. It was a yeah. status thing. And I still remember like, uh, this wasn't what I did, but I still remember around the time that I had gotten sponsored um, was they had the Friction Labs sponsorship. I don't know if you remember this at all, mm. but it was like, there were a lot of people out there who were uh, intent on kind of that same mindset of I want to be sponsored because I think it looks cool and I think it lends something to my to my climbing. And so Friction Labs kind of latched onto that and basically you could pay to be a sponsored Friction Labs athlete. Oh. I don't know if you actually had to pay or if it was just like, a, I, I forget the, the exact exchange, but you definitely were not getting free products. You were not getting anything. You weren't even free. getting free products. You weren't getting anything, You were, <laughs> but you were a Friction Labs athlete. And so it was like wow. you signed up for it and I think you paid a small fee, like you paid for your, your products or something, but as a result, you could wear like, these shirts and you could, they would send you their logo that you could put in your videos. And, and it was basically like a, 
a pseudo sponsorship that like kind of latched on to the all these people who who wanted to look like professional athletes but weren't professional wow. athletes and so like no no shade to friction labs like they brilliant they, marketing they, they had right a good there. product but and it was yeah. great marketing but i remember like looking at it and being like wow this is just like pay paying for uh like pay to play essentially and so hmm. um it was it was right around then, and I just remember thinking like I could do this, but that's not really what I do. So I actually I reached out to Asana and I like I said, hey, this is who I am. Here's my stuff. Like any interest, and they were like, yeah, sure, you can. We'll we'll send you some some swag and or some some gear. And I was like, all right, great, I'm sponsored now. Like that's that's what I wanted, and so I could put that on my uh, my resume. Mm. Um, that obviously like or like nothing ever came of that after that. I mean, I got some gear out of it, but otherwise it was like. I didn't actually care about being sponsored as far as like the gear because that wasn't what was important to me. It was just the status. And so that I could like, when I was applying to residency or applying to school and things like that, I could put it on there. Like I am a sponsored athlete and that made me stand out compared to other people. Mm. Um, and so I knew that over time this had, this mindset had kind of built up in me to the point where it was more important what other people thought about my climbing than what I thought about my climbing. And so going into it this time, um, my focus is just on the actual climbing itself, like the process, the, I don't want to think about like what other people are thinking about me. I don't want to think about getting a video of this and posting it on Instagram. I don't want to think about like, uh, eight a, I don't want to think about, um, like surfing Instagram and seeing what all the other people are climbing and how they they're comparing to me. I just want to focus on the, what, what I originally enjoyed about it, which was the movement and the challenge and the the feeling of satisfaction when you accomplish something and that um it's it's i guess a subtle difference but like big in the sense that it changes the mindset of, of while you're doing it because like i said when i would climb previously i would literally be focused on is the camera running and am i getting a good camera or video right now and what does the video look like that sort of thing and 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 now like that i'm trying i'm obviously it's not easy to just completely change your mindset, but as much as possible, ignore that and not think about that at all and focus on the actual climbing itself. Mm. Um, yeah. There's actually a book called, uh, the Zen of climbing that kind of, I think it just came out a couple months ago and it was actually perfect timing. Um, do you know who wrote it? It's I'll, by, I'll it, but... I forget his name, but it's, it's, he used to be an editor of either climbing or outside magazine. I, 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 I can't remember, but if you Google it, it'll show up. Uh, but it's been really good. It came out like kind of right as I was getting back into climbing and it was the perfect timing because it's, he basically talks about how to, or he basically talks about you, the relationship of climbing and what a healthy relationship with climbing looks like. And it was, it was kind of odd how perfect the timing was, but he talks a lot about like how the people who do it for the reasons that I've listed that I did previously, like it's not sustainable and how to reframe your mindset. And so if anybody out there is kind of in a similar spot or thinks that they are maybe going down a path that will lead them to where I was, um, it's a good book to check out. And I, mm. I just, I bring it with me to the gym and I just read it in between, like while I'm resting in between climbs. And mm. I, I historically have never done this, but I brought a highlighter to like highlight passages in there and like things that really stand out to me. Um, and so it's, it's, it, it wasn't necessarily like anything uh, revolutionary or that I hadn't thought of before, but it was, uh, it was the perfect timing and for it. And, and so, um, it's been a good to kind of reinforce what I've been focusing on. Mm. Pause. <laughs> Pause. Kid interruption. 
Okay, we're back, and you've got the book in hand. Yeah. Nice. Who's the author? Uh, Francis Sanzaro. Okay. I think he was an editor of, like I said, either Outside or Climbing Magazine or something like that. Nice. Can't That's a cool book. I like, yeah, it looks almost, yeah. Yeah, there's a first neat. part in the series. It's it's like, it's called In the Moment series, but uh, I don't think the first book is, it's not by him, and it's I don't think it's as relevant. I, it's more or less standalone, but. Kind of a, yeah. a vinyl cover. It almost looks like, it has like a Bible vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I at the gym, like I don't, I don't want to be carrying around a book called the Zen of climbing necessarily at the gym, just cause I feel like it's a little cringy. <laughs> so I think over time I'm probably just going to like tear this cover off and just have it as like a <laughs> kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a tomb of mine that I carry around. Yeah. I was curious what, um, you said you have been highlighting stuff. Like what, what stood out to you? Are there like things in there that, you know, that have been like these aha moments that felt like they clicked or are you like working on practices? Are you working on like telling yourself certain things? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, caveat, I didn't start highlighting until I was kind of halfway through the book because I had had so many, uh, like standout, like, Oh wow, that's a really good passage. I should really get a highlighter. And so I hadn't remembered to do it. So some of the early stuff, uh, like that was the most impactful. I didn't actually highlight, uh, unfortunately, so I can't just read them to you, but basically what it talks about is, it talks about, uh, it's it's kind of broken down into these little tiny chapters that are only a couple of pages, but it talks about um, like why people climb, like where do they get in the enjoyment from, where do they get the satisfaction from, what, like how to handle um, kind of the, the successes and the disappointments of climbing, um, what the relationship with climbing should look like, uh, talks about um, how it is that some people can do this uh, essentially endlessly, like, I mean, Dave Graham or someone like that, that's just out climbing 24 seven, like, how does he do it and not burn out? Cause I mean, it's not a question of progression anymore. It's not that he's climbing the next hard thing or, or constantly getting better. I mean, in some degree he may, might be, but he's clearly getting something out of it that is different from what other people are getting out of it. Uh, like, uh, I mentioned the people who can go out and climb, climb all day in an unknown area on unnamed problems and just enjoy themselves all day. And they don't talk about it on Instagram. They don't post any videos. They don't log anything on their 8A. They don't, they don't do anything other than just go out and enjoy the climbing. Like, why is that? How is that different than the person who catalogs every single thing they do on, mm. on Instagram? Like, like not to name names or anything, but like, like someone like Alex Johnson or something cataloging her 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 uh, whole in, um, uh, her like hundred tens thing. What's that? Her like one hundred v tens. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah, that or like the no, I meant I meant oh, like the, the swarm. swarm yeah, yeah. The of siege the swarm. Yeah, exactly. And how that can quickly become unhealthy. Right. And and why that is that some people can do it can can do things and i'm not saying necessarily that she was seeking that attention or that she even wanted to do that i know that you've talked to her and i listened to that and but yeah well i mean it's interesting some people can do that some people can like bring others along on their journey and seemingly not be affected by it and not have it become this pressure and this other thing and not only bring them along but some people that's part of the experience and that's part of where they get the satisfaction from like they 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 look forward to um, talking about it online, or or like the it's kind of akin to like so like in, influencers of oh I got to go out and and get my daily climbing uh, post like done. What does that mean? Like whether I'm going to the gym or whether I'm going outside or or just talking about life or something like that. It's 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 as if they they a part of their identity 
depends on this presence online um, in, in how that's different from someone who doesn't have an Instagram and you never hear about it. You don't even know they exist and they're out crushing V15 or something. Someone like, I don't know, like Griffin Whiteside or something. Just, he I've been thinking about his name. For yeah. The last it's like, <laughs> it's like, how does he, what is he doing differently mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. those other people? Yeah. Um, cause I definitely wasn't in that group. I wasn't in the group that could go out and do these things without feeling like I needed to talk to someone about it or mm. not necessarily talk to someone about it, but put it out there for others to be aware of, made aware of mm-hmm. sort of thing. So. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe well, cause it's interesting. It, it, the way you're describing it, it almost seems like you have to do it without any recognition for it to be a healthy relationship. But you know, I've, I've seen plenty of people who are professional climbers who have to share this stuff those people span the whole spectrum, right? Yeah, like and obviously there's a happy middle ground and there's, yeah. there's people at every step along the way. What what I'm saying is I found myself too much right, at right, one right. end of the spectrum and that that wasn't, I wasn't, where I had put myself on that spectrum wasn't, didn't match with what I was getting out of it. Like maybe the key is like, even though I am going to share this with people, I would still be doing this if no one was watching. Exactly. Yeah. Like if Instagram weren't a thing or YouTube weren't a thing, would you still be out doing it? And I'd like to Mm. think that, yes, I would. I I honestly think that, I think that the presence of those things actually kind of steered my relationship with climbing a little bit in the wrong direction. I think that once I realized like, oh, this is another source of, of validation or another source of, uh, value. Like, I, I think that that kind of changes the, the, your, your purpose and your motivation and your, your, um, uh, goals when you go out climbing, it's like, Oh, am I going to do this climb? Yes. But am I also going to get it on video? Yes. Like I remember a lot of times going out climbing and not wanting to bring my camera and I would feel guilty. Like, well, what if I send something hard? Like, and I don't have it on video and, and obviously, like, I think it's okay to have things on video because, like, you can look back on those yourself. But if you're doing it for the sole purpose of showing other people or, or putting it on Instagram, uh, I want to take a step back. You can show other people. That's fine. Show friends, show family, whatever. But if you're doing it for the sole purpose of putting it on Instagram, like, that, that's maybe just a trigger that you should, or a cue that you should reevaluate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, like, right. I would carry these giant setups, like, like 20 plus pounds of camera weight, like looking, I remember looking for like the hottest tech in, in cameras and like, oh, what, like, should I get a DSLR? Should I get like, what should I get that can capture these the best so that I can best make these climbing videos and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just, it's not important. I, or at least to me, it, sh- it should, I didn't feel like it should be that important, but it was that important. And then mm. that was part of where the friction arose from. Where are you at now? So now you're you're climbing again, you're training again. It sounds like you're getting strong again and have goals again. What are you doing differently this time? What feels important to you to you know try to stay on a different track than? So TBD, um, work in progress. Uh, so I haven't. I mean, uh, I should say that's why I wanted to talk to you about this because yeah. I think like you know if you'd if you'd had it all figured out i mean great we could still talk about it but i think it's just so relatable and so fucking real to be like still in it still figuring yeah. it out you know <laughs> yeah. like well, i can so, i can share what i've figured out so far yeah. but um so still struggling yeah and it, it it it's definitely a work in progress but i think it it feels good so far but that's hard to 
say because right now it's easy because I'm getting stronger every time I go to the gym and every time I, I climb, I feel I can do something that I couldn't do the previous time. And it feels like I'm getting back to where I was, which is Got those noob gains again. Yeah, exactly. And so that feels easy. And so I'm, I'm cautious, but optimistic that once that settles down a little bit, that I'll still have a better approach. And what, what I mean by that is like I kind of kind of mentioned, like focusing more on the climb and, and focusing rather on just like a minor thing of rephrasing. So rather than saying, wouldn't it be cool if I did this climb, like this whatever V8, V9 at the gym or something, wouldn't it be cool if, rather than saying that, saying, wouldn't I enjoy it if, like, mm. so that kind of, it's subtle and I don't know that it actually makes too much of a difference, but shifting the emphasis, because wouldn't it be cool if puts puts emphasis on what other people think about it. Like, right. are they finding it cool or, or interesting or, or impressive? Whereas if I say, wouldn't I enjoy it? If that, that doesn't matter what other people think that just matters. Did I enjoy the climb? Like, mm. did I, was it a, a crappy climb or was it well set? And I felt like it was a challenge and I enjoyed getting through it. Like, did I enjoy the process rather than waiting for someone else to, to, you know, Oh, nice job, man. Give me a fist bump as I, as I walk mm -hmm. away. Like, so mm -hmm that that's one difference and then the other difference which i haven't employed yet but i'm i'm going to or i have plans to is i have my first outdoor trip coming up to mo's in a couple of months with some friends and historically i was the type of person who would research the shit out of every destination that i went to i would know everything i would have the maps i would know where every boulder was i would know where the problem the hard problems were i had watched every beta video about like whatever climbs i thought i was going to project and that was part of where this whole beta cache thing came from was i historically would just keep a spreadsheet of like okay i'm going to try bush pilot in rocky mountain let me collect every video i can find of bush pilot and then oh i want to try this and it's actually when i moved out to colorado i had a huge spreadsheet of all the climbs i wanted to try and all the videos i could find on them and so i that's kind of why i converted it to this website but but anyways the point is i was that type of person and so i would show up with an objective in mind i would I would go to that climb. I would warm up some on something else maybe uh, nearby, but otherwise my focus was doing that climb. I would take rest days so that I could do that one climb. I remember, have you spent much time in Red Rocks? Some, not some, a ton. Okay. There's this yeah, climb yeah. called Woods Problem in Red Rocks, which is like, it's given V12. It's probably like, I don't know, V10 or 11 or something, but it's not impressive in the slightest as far as like the aesthetics of it or the the, the movement. It's just a climb that happened to have somewhat of a high number on it. And it's, there's other climbs nearby or in Red Rocks, like, like Wet Dream and Stand and Deliver and, um, like these in Book of Nightmares and these other climbs that are amazing looking. Um, and admittedly those ones are hard, but like maybe Americana Exotica is an, is an amazing looking climb, but it only gets V10 or V9 from some people. And so I, was, I felt like I didn't want to do that. And so instead I went out and tried this Choss pile and I don't want to call it a shot spot. It's a fine climb, but <laughs> it's not, it's not a you're, climb you're that anybody knows about. You're trading quality of experience for the high number. Exactly. And it. so yeah, I yeah. would go on these week long trips and I would try one climb for the entire trip and I wouldn't do anything else. And mm. I wouldn't send like occasionally I would send, but most of the time I wouldn't send, I guess uh, a, a better example might be like, um, in Leavenworth, like actually, most of the Leavenworth stuff is pretty cool, like turbulence and, and beautification and stuff. Those are all beautiful climbs. So I'm gonna, so those don't count. But, but like I would go and I would just sit under these climbs and I would put so much meaning on or uh, emphasis on doing them rather than actually enjoying the experience of being there. And so my plan for this trip 
is literally the first day we're going to go out without even having a guidebook. We're just going to go, I'm going to figure out where the areas are, but otherwise we're going to just going to like the guidebooks going away and we're just going to wander around and look for what looks fun. No mm. names, no grades, nothing, just climb on whatever. Um, and so I'm hopeful that that will be a different experience for me. Cause I remember the, the best days that I can think about the most enjoying enjoyable days climbing that I can think about in the past have always been those days where you go out for me, it was Tahoe. We would go out and we would just kind of romp through the woods. We would climb like a bunch of V5s, a bunch of V6s, a couple of V7s or something. Nothing crazy hard. Just like get mileage under your belt, get like 50 V points in a day or something like that. And not really know what was what or what was hard and what wasn't. Not know any beta, just figure it out. And like those were always really fun. And that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Part of me wonders though, looking back, I can, I can think like, okay, I know that I felt good about those days, but was it because, oh, I got a good mileage day and I'm going to feel stronger tomorrow as a result sort of thing, or was it because I actually enjoyed them? And so mm. that's, that's TBD, but I'm hopeful that that'll be a little bit different. Um, and I'm also not going to focus on any projects while I'm there. I'm going to, the hardest I'm going to try is like V9 or V10. We'll see how I feel when I get out there, but I'm not going to do like any, like anything harder than that. I, if it can't do it in, in like an hour or two, I probably will just move on and, mm. and not bother. So, so those two, I think subtle differences will make the trip more enjoyable. And I think that those are kind of maybe indicative of kind of a shift in general mindset that overall will hopefully make this a better experience for me. Yeah. Smart. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, but, but I know that my natural tendency is in the other direction. And so it's going to take work and it's, it's maybe not going to be a hundred percent successful, but I think that anything will be better than what I had previously because mm. what I had previously led me to quit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing all that, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super interesting. Um, and again, like I'm sure so relatable. I mean, I know it's so relatable because yeah. I've had conversations with people all over the place about this very thing. You know, see, people this is, struggle with this stuff. This is what I don't like. I'm happy to share it in case someone does find it relatable. I don't know how relatable it is or if I'm just weird. Like, I mean, I remember, mm. I remember hearing like Ethan talk about how he comes across as like a bubbly personality and happy, but he's got like this dark side or like this hidden kind of deep darkness and i really related when he said that i was mm. like i was like yeah there's there's a lot of like really fucked up things going on underneath the surface that maybe aren't normal or maybe aren't um they definitely aren't healthy but maybe like i don't know how common they are and so this this whole dilemma with oh i care about what other people think about my climbing like maybe that's just weird and no one else does that or and and like okay yeah obviously stop doing that because that's health not not healthy it's just like uh, so I don't, I don't really know, like, is this something that even other people can relate to or is it, or is it just my experience and, and other people are like, no, this is great. I love climbing and I, I don't have to have anything else from it. I, I get exactly what I want from it and I'm, I'm content and I'll do it as long as I can. Well, I can, I, I what I can say, um, I know you're not necessarily asking me, but what I can say is, I mean, I know a number of really smart people who've made their entire career out of helping people who struggle with this stuff. You know, like That's Hazel fair. Finley is a great example. Like her main thing is like helping people reconnect with the joy of climbing. And, mm -hmm. you know, as a, like the side product of that is that it tends to help people with their performance too. But the enjoyment thing is the main thing that she often focuses on. A lot of people struggle with it. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's it's just so funny. I, I wanted to ask you actually probably half an hour ago. I'm glad we're kind of circling back to it. It's just interesting how, like it's ironic, you know, because we all start climbing because we love it. And a lot of us go on this like full circle journey. You know, I, I did too. I didn't fully quit, but honestly, I, I haven't talked about this a ton, but when I started the podcast, like 2019 into 20, I started in February, 2020, um, was kind of my like lowest low point with my own climbing. And I, I kind of entered into this podcast project, like the least motivated for my own personal climbing and like in the worst shape that I've ever been in and, mm -hmm. and felt like, and really rest, wrestled with that for a while. And the podcast really helped because, um, it gave me something to focus on and give my energy to that wasn't about me and taking the focus off of me was really helpful. But I remember having like a ton of um, imposter syndrome, you know, like meeting Jonathan Segrist at his house yeah. and feeling like I'd gained weight and was like out of shape and was just like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel lame. I'm like finally meeting my hero and, yep. um, and I feel really self-conscious about it. But I wanted to ask you earlier, you know, you said you had joy, like you loved climbing. Yeah. And then at some point it became what you've been talking about. Like it became this fixation on what are other people going to think if I do this thing? When did that change for you? Do you remember? Like, was there a stage or like a... I don't know. Because, I mean, I can remember even early on, like, uh, the first time I took climbing or at first, one of the first times I, like, really started climbing was in a, like, I think it was a high school class. I'm not really sure. We did, like, a, a climbing elective at the gym or something where we met on Saturdays at the gym. And I remember there was someone in the class who had climbed, like, climb like V5 while in during the elective, which to me was really impressive. And I always remember like wanting to, oh, if I could climb that, I would be so happy and blah, blah, blah. And, and so there, there was always this sense of like, I would get more joy if I could climb harder. Mm. And I think that's just kind of built into me. Like I, I, I have, I can find examples of that in my life going back to when I was a young kid. And so, but but with that said, like th that wouldn't have been enough. I was definitely the joy of climbing was was definitely a huge part of why why I did it. But I think that over time, it's kind of natural, at least for me, that that the the newbie gains stop showing up. It, it no longer becomes a given that you're going to get better every time you go out, and no longer becomes a given that you're going to have a better year this year or a better season this year than you did last year. And so at that point you start focusing on, okay, well, like, why am I not getting stronger anymore? And why does that matter? And at that point, when you stop the gains, hopefully you're not picking up too much of this background noise. But, um, <laughs> this is, it's so real, man. We yeah. can hear your kids screaming in the yeah, background. They're, That's... they're singing songs in the other room. Um, <laughs> at some point it kind of just shifts from like, okay, the focus is no longer just on enjoyment. The focus is on getting better. And that's from there, it's a natural transition from you getting better to you getting better compared to other people. And, mm. and so it was like, you, you have this crew that you climb with in the gym and everybody kind of progresses along the same rate. And so you kind of over time start to establish this hierarchy of who's strong, who's the strongest, who's not and blah, blah, blah. And moving yourself up in those ranks kind of feels, feels good. And, um, and so I think that, I don't think there's any one moment or anything, obviously, but I do know that like, even looking back to when I was, truly enjoyed climbing, like joy, enjoyed the movement and, and, and everything. And not to say I don't anymore, but that was why I was doing it. I can still think of kind of these inklings of this is what's to come. Mm. Um, and so, and I don't necessarily think that's unhealthy and, or, or bad. I, I just think that for me, I let it get a little out of hand. Yeah. Um, makes sense. So, yeah.
and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by wonderful pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, and I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff, something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, that's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. And now back to the show. You know, you asked me a while ago, like, why? Like, why do we, why do we have to chase such hard things and challenge ourselves? Like, what is that? Um, and I, I think I was... I always struggle to put it into words. Like, why do I love climbing? Where's the drive come from? Because it is such a mix of so many different things and there's some unhealthy parts to it and some healthy parts. I think the thing that I, like, I, I love climbing. I love just the pure, like, in the moment movement experience of climbing. But I would not be a passionate climber if I was climbing V3 all day. Yeah, I just wouldn't, sure. you know? Yeah. And a big part of my passion for climbing comes from, Perceiving something is impossible, just like outrageous and like so crazy mm -hmm. and then engaging with it and realizing that there might be a chance I can do it. Like yeah. that is so exciting to me. Yeah. Whether it's a move, whether it's a route, whether it's a boulder, whatever. Um, where was I going with that? I, I was going somewhere with it's that. Like I, I have a, a, a good segue or a good uh, <laughs> uh, leapfrog off of that is uh, I guess something that I really wanted to emphasize is that or something that the books talks about, I guess, and, and something I'm thinking of is that that is completely valid and, and healthy un, maybe until you start putting numbers on it. Mm. So what happens when that impossible thing is a V3? Like what if you show up and you're like, man, this feels impossible. You do it and then you find out that you're on 8A, it's V3. Um, like how does that make you feel? And so what I wanted to relay f from my experience is even in the setting of me climbing the hardest things I had ever climbed and getting the success that I thought I was going to get, I still didn't have that satisfaction. I still mm. didn't have that uh, joy that I thought that I had earned or thought that I would have. And so it's it's pretty easy or not easy, but I, I guess it's, it's common to see people say like, yeah, I loved climbing. It was great. And then all of a sudden I stopped getting good at it. Like I was actually just reading an article on Outside um, Magazine uh, about someone who was a professional ice climber. I, I don't know her name, but it's, it's literally, they just posted it like today or yesterday. And her story was she loved climbing. She was a competition climber. She was doing great. And then all of a sudden she started getting worse. And as a result, she stepped away from, like she reevaluated re her relationship, realized she was kind of doing it in an unhealthy way. And and walked away, but her, the, the, the catalyst for that, for her was her getting worse. And so I, what 
I want to relay is that even in the setting of doing the best that you've ever done and doing the things that you think have so much meaning or are going to mean so much to you, they're not going to be immune from those feelings necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah, the doing something impossible or quote unquote impossible feels good and that joy is, uh, brings you joy and, and brings you a lot of the things that you're seeking. But even so for me that wasn't enough or that wasn't it didn't justify all the work and the time and the energy and the the mental focus and the um or the mental um the mental energy i guess uh, that i was putting into to climbing um it didn't justify spending 20 hours a week at the gym or 20 hours a week training and then 20 additional hours focusing on diet and then 10 additional hours just thinking about climbing you know like mm-hmm. it was a full-time job essentially just just this hobby mm-hmm. Um, so even though I was doing well at it, it wasn't, still wasn't, uh, what I wanted. Yeah, we're totally. So I'm not, not to, not to downplay everybody else's experience or not, not your, everybody, but your experience and, and her experience where, yeah, it's, I think that doing worse in climbing can be an oftentimes a catalyst for reevaluating a relationship, but it doesn't, doesn't always have to play out that way. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Throughout this conversation, I think I've been trying to, understand my own relationship with climbing. Cause I honestly haven't spent a lot of energy or time thinking about it recently. I know it's a lot healthier than it was a few years ago and I'm, I'm just kind of plugging along, you know? Um, but, but I want to understand it and, and think about that more. And something I'm realizing is I think I'm happiest when, you know, because I think climbing inevitably is going to lose some of that um, zest and, and that like, not zest, I don't, excitement, you know, yeah. just that, that like new excitement when you get better every single time you go to the gym, that's yeah. incredible. That's a really unique experience and feeling, and it can't last forever for anyone. Uh, of course, I think what replaced that for me, that feels really good that I try to focus on and don't always do a good job of, of nailing is like treating, it's kind of the, I guess it's a Zen thing, or it's like a it's a, it's like treating climbing like a martial art, a practice, a craft, you yeah. know. And when I'm pursuing it just to try to like master a craft and enjoy it, and and like really zoom in on the nuances of it, and just treat it like a discipline for its own sake, that's when I really feel the happiest with yeah. it, you know. And that can be that can be trying to perform, that can be trying a project, that can be training in yeah. a, in the gym or whatever. Um, yeah, and he actually he touches on that a lot in in the book, um, and that's and I agree with it. It's it's not necessarily about getting to the top of the climb, but feeling like you've mastered the climb. So if you climb a climb and it you just your feet are cutting and you're feeling terrible, but somehow you grovel your way to the top. I mean, sometimes that that in itself is mastery. Like you feeling like I pushed through. I I thought I was gonna fall. I I I got to a new level as far as try hard. Like that is mastery in some sense, but in another sense. Um, Maybe that's not, and maybe maybe doing it again with like, okay, I made that feel easy. Um, there can be a lot of value in that too. Mm-hmm. In me, I've, I'm someone who never repeated climbs like historically ever. I would I would do it, I would check it off. It's on my mantle. I would walk away. I didn't want to try it again because then I might not be able to do it, and you mm-hmm. don't want to have to face that face that down, you know. So so, but this time around, when I'm moving forward, trying to focus more on like. Like, and obviously we all want to make every move feel easy, but focusing on, okay, like that felt good to make that move feel easy. I remember an hour ago that move felt impossible and I just made it feel easy. Like I'm going to, I'm going to 
extracted the joy out of that. Like I'm going to focus on how that feels and enjoy that feeling for a little while rather than just, okay, what's the next move? Like moving on. So I think, I think a really valuable strategy as far as like finding sustainability in the process, enjoying the process is, you know, you, you talked earlier about like wanting satisfaction from your achievements, from like getting to the top of boulders. But, um, I think, reframing that like you're just describing and finding satisfaction and accomplishment in the process. Yeah. Like you do a move slightly better. You you can, if you focus on the right, you know, if you focus on that from the right angle, you really can feel like that's a win in yeah. a sport that is 99% failure. We say that all the time, but really we just mean you don't clip the chains that often or top yeah. out a boulder that often, but really it's all a matter of perspective. Like yeah. you, you can win all the time. You can yeah. win every single session by, you know, doing a move learning slightly it better. Yeah. Realizing like, Oh, I should wear this. I mean, if you had different shoe on, on Batman, right foot or every time you had gone to Batman, you had made a little more progress and like found some new beta or done a move slightly better. You'd probably still have kept going. I mm. imagine. I, I can't say that for sure, but yeah. like, that's been my experience. Like if I'm making progress every time, great yeah it's when yeah. that progress stops or reverses that you're suddenly right panicking and, and reevaluating do i even want to be out here mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um do you think about like how are you thinking about hard climbs dream climbs echelon is that the project that you had echelon it's, it's like a it's a i'm sure you've seen it in a video but it's a v14 up in clear creek um it's it's like four feet off the ground. It means nothing. It's a cool looking <laughs> climb. And there's like a V15 sit that Drew uh, Ruana put up to it. But um, it's it's not impressive in any, anything other than its number. So mm. um, it has no no uh, aesthetic value necessarily. So mm. um, I that that is no longer anywhere in my mind as far as climbs I want to do. Like nowadays, I, th- I spent a lot of time thinking about which climbs meant the most to me looking back, like what, what climbs did I really get value out of as opposed to just a number? And for me, those are the climbs that meant something as far as, uh, had some either historical value or personal value. So like Mandala, like that, I remember growing up climbing, watching Sharma do that climb and thinking how amazing that was and going to Bishop, I would go to Bishop, um, five, 10, 15 times a year. And I would walk by that thing and I would think, oh, holy crap, that thing is like impressive. Mm-hmm. Whenever I would see someone on it, I would just sit and watch and, and just was so impressed by like how cool that climb was. And so that had a lot of significance to me. And so that one was one that I definitely really enjoyed, even though I've talked about how I still probably had a little bit of unhealthy mind frame around it, but, but I definitely enjoyed that one. And so I've thought about why that one was important to me and and then some other climbs that are not well-known climbs, but have meant more to me and, and thinking about what I want to do moving forward. And honestly, I, I want to kind of focus on the climbs that have a meaning or have a significance or are or, or pretty, or like have an aesthetically pleasing. So like some of them are hard, like Kingslayer in, in Morpheus or, or, um, or Penrose Step uh, in Leavenworth. Like those are hard, hard, or uh, Hagakure in, in, in Index. Those are all really hard climbs that happen to be beautiful, but also other climbs like like Was and uh, The Shield, although it's now broken, I think. Um, and uh, like um, some of the other climbs in Leavenworth that I've just kind of brushed off and never did because I... Mm had moved past those grades, even though they're like these world-class climbs that are, I mean, if they're that easy, why don't I just do them in one go and move on? Like I, <laughs> I just never bothered to do them. Mm. So focusing more on on doing something because it has some significance, whether that's 
beauty, whether that's cool movement, whether that's um, history or something else besides just a number. Mm. Um, yeah. I had like kind of a realization recently or, or I've kind of like come to a, a much healthier place in, in kind of the avenue of um, productivity. And, and like, I've, it's interesting, like we've come from different places, but we've kind of landed at a similar spot where I, my big hang up for a long time, the unhealthy expression of my personality and my climbing was I have this like obsessive productivity thing. I have to check boxes all the time. Oh, I, I want to feel like I'm, yeah. you know, getting, yes. crossing things off the to-do list all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I was the person that would like, I would try to tick every single box in the guidebook. And I've, I'm lucky enough now to travel all the time. And I've finally reached a point where I'm so overwhelmed by the number of climbs out there. I've deeply accepted like, oh, you're never going to do them all. And that's okay. You know, and it's so freeing. And I've, it's kind of, you know, what you're left with is like, okay, well then which ones do I actually want to do? And yeah. so I've thought a lot more in the last few years about like, does this climb actually mean anything to me or am I just doing it because it's yeah. on the list, you know, yeah. and I'm trying to be productive here. And yeah. I'm, I think I'm a lot happier just like letting, letting that thing go. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something sim that I think of when I ever, I see these people who post videos, like, again, not to call anyone out, but like the, the hundred V tens are harder or something. It's like, like you're, you're just, you're pursuing these climbs because, because it's a, a check on a list that you that at the end of that doing that list will feel you th you think will feel good and I don't want to put feel I don't want to speak for anybody else's feelings but that would be my thoughts about it is like because I had similar approach it's like okay today rather than doing the hard climb I'm going to try and do as many climbs as I can and it was still a matter of like I'm doing this because it's a challenge and a task and an accomplishment. And, and I feel like, yeah, I might not get the exact same workout, but it's still going to be a good workout. And as a result, I'm going to be stronger afterwards. And so it was, it was, it's, you still, I found that I was doing it not because of the climb was enjoyable or because I cared about it at all, or because of any other reason, but just because it was a task that I thought would have some meaning and because I thought that it would give me a good workout and set me up better for the future. It's and still like all serving the same exactly. end it's, game. Exactly. Right? And you might yeah. put a different flavor on it and, and and lie to yourself or kid yourself that, or at least I did kid myself that it means something different and like, oh yeah, today I went out and just like climbed a bunch of V5s. That was great. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, that was like a good endurance workout day. Like tomorrow I'm going to be, I'm going to be so much better set up to go do the the route that I've been, the sport climb that I've been projecting or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's hard to, to separate those. Um, so I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I'm curious what your like self work looks like. You know, you talked about, you're, you're very articulate and you're very, you have a lot of self-awareness. Like you've reflected on all this a lot and came, you. you've come to some cool conclusions and, made a lot of progress in this area. You talked about Ethan Pringle and his inner darkness and like relating to him. What does it look like to sort through all this stuff? Are you just in your head and just kind of like sitting with it and turning it over? Do you, like I'm a super verbal processor, you know, I can kind of, I'm, I'm like open to talk, talking about anything that's going on with me, with like any of my friends, because I need to, like I need to just kind of put it out there into words and that helps me understand it for myself. and. Mm -hmm. 
I also go to therapy because that's super helpful. Yeah. Like, do you, do you do any of those things or yeah, do you talk yeah. about this stuff with your partner? Like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I will talk about it. Uh, like I'm not someone who really, really likes sharing things. Like I often clam up when I'm feeling anything less than good. Like if I, if I have something bad going, I often clam up, but my wife knows how to extract that out of me. And so, um, we will have long conversations about this sort of thing. And I'll talk with my good climbing friends who I said, like I said, have healthier relationships with climbing than I do. And then I go to therapy too. So it's, 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 uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time in my own head, but I, I think that talking about it, you realize that maybe the way that you're perceiving it isn't the way that other people would. And and, mm. and I think that that's helpful to, to realize like, oh, maybe this isn't the only way to think about this sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't have any golden bullet or anything. Like, I, I think that, I think it's just a matter of kind of experience and, and doing it, um, enough. And by no means have I had, had any fi figured it out even the slightest, but I, I do know that I'm in a better spot now than I was back then. That's and I huge. think that, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's all I'm trying to convey to anybody. Like I don't have any authority necessarily to speak on this. Like I've climbed some, some hard numbers or something, but it's nothing compared to other people. I, my, my only claim to fame might be, uh, and I don't know this for sure, but I might be the, uh, the strongest doctor boulderer in the country. I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I know most of the other doctor climbers, I think in the country, or at least know of them. And uh, most of them are around like the hardest ones are around like V11 or so V10, V11. I don't know any V13 doctor climbers. So maybe that's my <laughs> only claim to fame, but that, again, that doesn't really matter. There's um, some, there's some really high level doctor sport climbers. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure for sport climbing, yeah, yeah, I yeah. no no way. And, and but I'm if realizing you include like, like PhDs or something, by by no means. I mean like MD. Like okay. otherwise, there's there's no way. <laughs> I, love, um, I love it. Yeah. Just keep if if you're not, just keep making I'll the category like either either anesthesiologist <laughs> yeah. or in like the Western United States or Pacific North, whatever. I'll just eventually I can get to a point where where that's my that's my uh, your claim my, to fame. My claim to fame. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is it doesn't like I don't have any. I think I'm the strongest. Uh, climbing podcast host named Steven. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all got I, something. I, I, it was right? my goal to become the strongest one. And then Aiden started a fucking podcast. Oh, and I was oh, like, oh, well, well okay. Fair. That's, like, that's how, done. Uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Fair. Like Hazel, <laughs> you know, Hazel and Mina, they're both like strong as shit. Exactly. Yeah. But the point but is they're like, not named Steven. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the point is it doesn't, it, you don't have to listen because I'm Dave Graham or because I'm Sharma, who's had all these life experiences and and has all this insight. It's just, that was my experience and I, I struggled with it. And, and the goal is to hopefully, if anyone else identifies this in themselves, maybe head it off sooner rather than later. Mm. And, and I don't regret the way that it happened for me. Like, I think it was healthy to take three years off because now I have a completely different mindset and it allowed me to do other things and focus on other things. But, yeah. but I do know that, um, it wasn't healthy for me for the last kind of year and a half or so of climbing where I, I had a very, um, tumultuous relationship with it. Mm. It was interfering with other aspects of my life. Um, so if I could avoid, could have avoided that part of it, I, I definitely would have. So that's the interesting thing. Cause I'm always, you know, doing this show, hoping to like help people avoid the mistakes that I've made mm -hmm. or that my guests have made and, you know, make their path a little bit smoother, um, help them on their way. Um, get some collective wisdom going so we don't yeah, all have exactly. to reinvent the wheel, yeah. you know, and, and learn all these things the hard way. But, um, you know, with that, like when I look at my own journey through life and, and climbing and disordered eating and whatever else, like, like I kind of think I needed to go through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know if anyone could have said anything at any, at the right moment or if there was a key, 
you know, fork in the road where someone could have led me down, you know, the better path instead of the darker, harder path or whatever. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like there was a time where someone could have said something that would have... No. I, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, right? If not because I'm just like stubborn and wouldn't listen to anybody, but also because <laughs> right. it did feel like in some sense that Colorado and having like going out and putting like just really embracing climbing as a life. And, and obviously it was limited because I was doing other things as far as like my time was limited. But like I really, I went there with the mindset of I'm going to do, I'm going to extract everything I can out of climbing. I'm going to get everything I can out of climbing. Like I would I would drive up to Lincoln and and hike out in the rain and climb out there completely solo and, and come back. Like I would make those trips on the regular because I, I wanted to do everything I could as far as climbing while I was there. And then as a result, I think that that made me realize it sooner. I think that it was a kind of a scratch that I had to itch yeah, in yeah. some ways. Like yeah. I think that if I hadn't done that, I would still in the back of my mind think like, like, oh, I'm I'm not happy now with climbing, but if I could just have X, Y, Z, like if I could just be in a setting where I could go project on a random day instead of going right. to the gym, like, I, like that's what will make me happy. Or right. like if I could just do V13, that's what will make me happy. Or if I could, if I could, I don't know, there are any number of laundry list items that, that you think will bring you what you've been looking for. And mm-hmm. then when you get them, you find out that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I had to scratch that itch. And it's, right. I, I have a similar relationship with medicine, which is a whole different wormhole that we don't have to talk about right now. But I, I think that medicine is a very broken system. And if I look back on it, I, I I don't think that I would do it again. But if I don't think that I could convince myself, if I were to go back and talk to myself as a younger self, like it's, it's one of those things where you, you have to, to see to it firsthand. Exactly, yeah, 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 you have to go through it. And so that's, mm. and I think that's fine. Uh, maybe I don't, and so then the question begs like, well, what's the value in any of any of this then? It's like, well, maybe just a little bit of insight or or maybe open someone's eyes a little bit sooner than they otherwise would. I don't know. Totally. I mean, it's it's funny because you say that and immediately I'm like, well, of course it's super helpful. Yeah. You know, I think, I think one thing that um, I love or that feels like most exciting about the time that we live in is that it's just such a more open time. Like there's so much more conversation around yeah. everything, anything you can think of, like anything that you're experiencing, someone's someone's having a conversation about it. And I think there's so much value in just realizing that you're not alone. Yeah, You know, it's not just yeah. you. It's definitely not just yeah. you. I've talked to other people that struggle with this stuff and they're yeah. going to hear this and think like, oh my God, like I'm still struggling, but like I'm not the only one. Yeah. There's not something like fundamentally wrong with me. Yeah, you know? and I... I'll say that I think in general nowadays people are much more open about talking about this sort of thing, and and it's it's uh, I mean it, it, it's what I would call burnout in the sense of like um, I, we use that term a lot in in medicine and in medicine um, burnout is becoming a much more acceptable open topic to work uh, to talk about it in the sense that historically it used to be that. Uh, people would say, well, I ha- when I was younger, I had to train, I worked 120 hours a week, so you have to too and stop complaining and blah, blah, blah. And nowadays it's okay to talk about that. And I think that's that's better. Even if nothing has actually changed, people can talk about it. And I think that that's similar here. I think that people are mm-hmm. much more open to talking about it. And I think that just knowing that someone else is going through the same thing as you are maybe helps to make it a little bit easier and, and helps you to know where to look when you're not sure what to do next mm-hmm. sort of thing. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. We've got about 20 minutes. You've got a heart yeah. out in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk more about 
beta cache 2.0 or whatever the new <laughs> uh, project sure, yeah. is. Uh, rather than talking about e eating disorders, because you've talked about those a million times. Um, uh, yeah. So, well, so, we've, we've got 20 minutes. What, I mean, what do you think? Do you want to, yeah, do, do you want to talk about it? It's more, uh, I, well, I don't know. It's up to you. We, you're, you're the, you're the host. We okay. can also just pick this up later. I'm, I mean, I'm sure this won't be the only time you and I see each other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk no, beta cash. We can talk more okay. about food Sounds and good. diet and stuff next time. Sounds good. Um, so, so basically for anybody who hasn't stumbled upon, uh, incidentally, so what beta cash was, or the goal of it was to be basically a collection of beta videos, uh, for, for all the climbs that you could think of or any, any beta, the goal was to have every beta video for boulders specifically, not sport climbs because people are very hit or miss about filming those. Um, but for boulders, try and collect all of those and put them in one central database. Um, cause, uh, my experience was I would go out, I would try a climb, I would get shut down on it. I would come home and I would want to search for every, in every ounce of beta that I could find when I got home. And sometimes that was easy. Sometimes it was really hard to find anything. And so, um, I used, I started a spreadsheet to kind of keep track of the climbs that I wanted to try and keeping track of videos. And it was really annoying when you would go try a climb and you'd be like, I know there's a video of this climb somewhere and I can't remember where I saw it. And mm. you try and think back and you'd be like, was it on this person's Instagram? Was it on that person's YouTube? Was it on Vimeo? I don't know. And so you'd search for it. Sometimes you could find it, sometimes you couldn't. And so my goal was to basically just make a database so you could put everything in one spot. You search by climb or you can search however you want, but go to the climb and then everything's just right there. You don't have to, it, it's saved, it's there forever. You never have to look back. So that was the original goal starting it. When I when I started it though, my programming experience was pretty minimal. And so I kind of learned programming as I was building this. Um, incidentally, I actually, I had had a couple forays into programming previously. One of them was I built a basically the same idea, but for moon boards. And uh, I had started building a database of all the moon board videos, but I, I sent an email to Ben Moon. And I don't know if you want to include this in the podcast or not, but I sent an email to Ben Moon telling him that I was doing this. And he sent me a cease and desist letter saying, oh, shit. Like, hey, don't do this. We're building something very similar on our own. So stop doing this. And so I, I kind of got shut down on that. And I was like, all right, well, never mind. And But then as a result, I had had a little experience and I kind of came back to this idea later. It wasn't until much later that I decided to do this, this more um, ambitious project. Um, so I built it, um, and w everything was going fine. Like I said, my programming was limited though. And so as a result, everything, it was very tedious and manual. And I was entering all the videos myself, adding climbs and, and crags and things like that. And videos was very time consuming and very tedious. And I just kind of burnt out on it. So I ended up handing it over to someone else, um, who gracefully, uh, continued hosting it, but didn't really do much with it beyond that. Um, and then, uh, since that time I've done a lot more programming, got to the point where, um, I've even done like some contract work programming. And so I feel much more comfortable with it. Just for fun. Did you just learn to like pick yeah, that up? It's one of those things that, um, I don't know. It's just always interested me. I've always done, been like interested in computers. Um, it's one of the things where you're like, would I have been happier if I did a career with computers? But I don't think so, but mm. it's kind of close. Uh, but the point is, yeah, just for fun. Um, I just. It just enjoy doing it. Uh, it's always been based around like I had some goal or project of like, oh, it'd be really cool if I could do X, Y, or Z. Like, like oh, I need an app. Like, we need an app for our residency program for our scheduling or to keep track of this thing. Like, oh, I'll build it with my and learn something along the way, sort of thing. So, um, but so anyways, so I got back into climbing this go around, and at the same time, I had kind of gotten finished up all the th the other projects that I was working on as far as programming, just as like. Those were kind of the things I put my side, my available time towards was like 
programming, video games, maybe some climbing. Um, anyways, so much more comfortable. I decided to take another go at it. So I, I basically built it from ground up um, and contacted the guy who was still running the site. And he, he was like, yeah, great. You're back. I'm going to just hand this over. I don't, I don't want it anymore. But I decided to go with a new name instead. Um, uh, so it's at justbeta.net instead. And the reason I decided to do that was because justbeta.net. Yeah, justbeta.net. And if you go to Betacache, it forwards you there automatically. But the point is, um, I decided to go with a completely ground up build for, for a bunch of different reasons, but the biggest of which was I tried to do a lot of different things with Betacache. Like I, any feature that sounded cool, I had embraced and tried to make work like, oh, let's do like GPS coordinates. Let's do like flags for like, um, like, short person beta versus tall person beta versus like law, like, uh, endurance climbs versus overhang climbs versus this and that. And, and, um, uh, ultimately ended up, it just was too much to handle. And so I wanted this go around to just be essentially like a Google for beta. And so mm. I kind of putting all that other stuff aside and, and, uh, and I, I didn't want to have any expectations of having that stuff on the site, and so I decided to just build a new one from scratch. Uh, and it's much more stable, it's much more automated, like it's much less work on my part, um, and it's already bigger than Betacache was as far as like the database, it's got like 40,000 videos or something in it right now. So wow. if, you, if you're looking for beta for a boulder, just try checking it out and I don't know, it could be interesting. And if anybody out there is interested in like helping in some way, whether that's being like a moderator for crags or, um, or if you have any like, uh, programming experience like i'm open to, to whatever so sweet it's my little plug nice is it just for fun is it just for fun yeah, yeah. it's free yeah I, uh, yeah oh yeah totally free yeah uh, at some point i might throw ads on there just to support the the um hosting costs because they're running up um having a such a large database ends up costing a decent amount but it's mm. it's whatever for the time being it'll that that would be the only thing that would ever show up would be ads there would be no other way really to monetize it because it's not like I mean, the things that I that are out there that are similar are like Kaya, which has a whole nother depth to it of like guidebooks and and all this other stuff to it that I have no interest in getting into that. And they have like a full paid staff that does all that. So mm -hmm. um, they have some beta videos on there, but it's only it's not as many and it's only on places that they have guides. Um, and then there's also one called like Mad Boulder or something that's similar, but not not as big. What's up? You said 445. Oh, yeah, you said, okay. All right, well, okay, well, we're gonna... All right. Okay, we're we'll, gonna leave we'll, then. We'll call that good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, man. Yeah, of course. Hey, friends, before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. 
If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash the nugget climbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time. Like we